the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. As we come to Luke chapter 18 in our survey of Luke, we come to a section of Scripture that will allow us to, well, steer away from Luke for a couple of programs and focus on the theme found in Luke 18, our children and the covenant of grace, next on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. So just how important are our children to the Lord? That's a great question, and we have some marvelous answers for you. Luke chapter 18, verses 13 through 17 is where we find ourselves today as we take a look at our children and the covenant of grace. So just where do our kids, kids who are born into the family of grace, where do they stand before God? We'll seek to answer that question over the next few programs as we take time to understand the nature of baptism and our kids, as well as the covenant of grace. From Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose, our teacher and pastor, with today's edition of Abounding Grace, here's Pastor Gary Wagner. Our children and the covenant of grace. In our text today, we see that Jesus is madder here than a hornet when its nest is disturbed. And he only showed his anger on very rare occasions. Why does he show that anger now? Because his apostles once again show their ignorance toward his mission here on earth by rudely dismissing Jewish covenant believers from coming to him to have him bless and pray for their infant children. Their attitude was, we're just too busy to deal with babies and toddlers. They are not all that important to the kingdom of God, after all. Jesus takes offense at their attitude, and he rebukes them by telling them children are not only important to the kingdom of God, but he says, for such is the kingdom of God, assuredly I say to you. Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. And he took them up in his arms, laid hands on them, and blessed them. This is what Pastor Randy Booth in his book, Children of the Promise, has to say about our children and the covenant of grace. He says, when Jesus blessed the little children who were brought to him, no doubt by their believing parents. He taught that anyone who would enter the kingdom of God had to become like a little child, totally dependent. While aimed at adults, this teaching applied also to children, for they were already children. The children brought to them, brought to him, we see in the Greek, included infants. The teaching of the Lord is that the kingdom of God belongs to such infants. He does not say to those who resemble infants, 
but are not infants. It was real, not figurative. Children whom the disciples hindered from coming. And it was real children of whom Jesus said, the kingdom belongs to such as these. The parents who brought their infant children to Jesus were certainly faithful to the covenant and recognized Jesus as the promised Messiah. This was a real blessing they sought. And it was a real blessing that was conferred on them by Jesus. Jesus' invitation was no public relations play. It was an action of substance. As believing parents were members of the visible church, so too were their children. If the root is holy, so are the branches. These children of believers were received by Christ and blessed by him, unquote. God made a covenant with his people in the Old Testament that remains intact today. He said in Genesis 17, 7 to Abraham, of whom all God's children are descended from, including you and I, I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. This covenant of promise was made to his children and their children and their children down through their generations to us today. As spiritual children of Abraham, God, by his grace, gave us membership in this covenant. Not because we are physical descendants of Abraham in us, but because God set his saving love on us before the beginning of time, beloved. Just as with Abraham, our covenant membership is a gift of God. It is of grace alone. We do not in any way, shape, or form deserve it. In fact, instead of friendship with God, we deserve nothing but eternal condemnation for our sins. But God gave us eternal salvation and the promise that He would be our strength and our protection throughout our earthly walk and that He would never leave us or forsake us. And as we saw last week, God works through families. And he promised this to our children down through their generations. Now let's look at the story about Jesus and the little children. And let's begin by asking a number of questions. The first question is, who brought these children to Jesus? And the answer is, ordinary Jewish believers, the same people who brought their sick relatives to Jesus. These were ordinary Jewish parents who brought their children to Jesus because they believed he could do something for them, just like they believed he could do something for their sick relatives. They believed in him as the Messiah. They had faith that he could benefit their children. They did not come to him out of superstition, as some people believe, because if they had come out of some superstitious belief, then Jesus, that Jesus could perform some kind of magic, 
I guarantee you Jesus would have rebuked the parents for their superstition, not the apostles. But he does nothing of the kind. So these were ordinary Jewish parents who had faith in Jesus and who brought their children to Jesus to be benefited by him in some way. So what was the benefit? What did they want Jesus to do for their children? They wanted Jesus to pray for them, to ask God to bring down spiritual blessings and his benediction on their children. They wanted him to spiritually bless them. What age were those children that were brought to Jesus? Well, there are two Greek words in these parallel passages that tell us there is one Greek word that means newborn, And there's another Greek word that means toddlers, no teenagers. These were newborns and toddlers, and they were brought to Jesus. They didn't come on their own initiative, and they didn't understand what was taking place. He had all these little toddlers, one, two, three, four years old, and newborns, and surely none of them knew what was taking place. Now I bring this to your attention because of an objection people give to infant baptism. The argument is, why baptize babies when they don't understand what is happening to them as if any of us really understand? Well, here Jesus is blessing these little children and babies And they really didn't know what was happening to them. This was just like the parents who brought their little eight-day-old babies in the Old Testament to receive the covenant sign of circumcision, that they might be blessed of the Lord when they didn't know what was happening to them. Now, what did Jesus do to these children that were brought to him? It says he touched them. He laid his hands on them and prayed for them. He took them in his arms and he began blessing them. He pronounced God's benediction on them. Maybe he even quoted the Levitical benediction of Numbers 6, which says, There the Lord spoke to Moses and saying, Speak to Aaron and to his son, saying, Thus you shall bless the sons of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. But now I would like you to remember the one that is holding them in his arms. The one who has his hands symbolically upon their heads, giving the blessing. The one who is blessing them and praying for them and pronouncing a benediction upon them is the God-man. Now, I can pray God's benediction upon you as I do at the end of every service. And nothing is going to come out of these hands. I can't make the power of that benediction felt in your life. But when the God-man says, the Lord bless you and keep you and cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, it happens, beloved. And the God-man 
blessed these little babies and toddlers. And the God-man prayed for them. And the God-man held them in his arms. So there must certainly be power in the things that he said and that he did that is beyond the ability of mere man. Now what did Jesus say about these children? In the text it says, Permit them to come unto me and don't hinder For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Now understand when you read this in Greek, it's not a figurative statement. It is not a metaphor. He is not saying, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who enter it like little children. It's as obvious as can be when you read it in Greek That when Jesus said the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these, he is referring to a class, a kind of people, the infant toddler kind, the helpless kind. He's talking about these little babies that he's holding that are in his lap and that are standing all around him. And he is saying the kingdom of God belongs to these little infants and toddlers, children of the covenant of these believing parents. He's not making a comparison here. He is specifying a class. He says these little infants and toddlers who are incapable of demonstrating any faith, these are the ones to whom the kingdom belongs. So when Jesus says, to such, he is referring to the little children themselves and not to those who resemble little children. And that's an important statement. Beloved, don't keep these little children from coming to me. Because the kingdom of heaven with all of its life and saving power belongs to these little infant newborn toddlers, children of the covenant. The kingdom of God is theirs. They have the life of it. They have the power of it. The kingdom of God belongs to these little children. Children, turn to Mark 9. Let me show you another phrase that Jesus used that is very similar. So I want you to understand just how dramatic this statement is. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. In Mark 9, 36 and 37, we read, Taking a child, he stood him in the midst of them, And taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one child like this in my name is receiving me, and whoever receives me is not only receiving me, but him who sent me. Now the question I want to ask is, what does it mean when it says to receive a child in my name? Well, if you go down to verse 41, there are some explanations And qualifying statements that help us to see. It says, because you belong to Christ, or even more literally, because in his name you are Christ's. In other words, to be received in my name is to be received as belonging to Jesus Christ himself. And it is the equivalent of saying that these children belong to the kingdom of heaven. So, To say they belong to the kingdom of heaven is back to being tantamount saying they belong 
to Jesus. Now let me ask you another question. How does someone come to belong to Jesus? 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20 tells us. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own, for you have been bought with a price? Therefore, glorify God in your body. Now, everything Jesus did in the last days of his life as he approached Jerusalem was in anticipation of the accomplishments of his death. So he is saying here, these little babies belong to me. I'm going to die for them on the cross. I'm going to accomplish their salvation. That's why they belong to me. That's how they came to be my personal property. That's how they came to be the recipients and citizens of the kingdom of God. So then these newborns and toddlers, children of the covenant, belong to Christ. They belong to the kingdom of Christ. They are among Christ's people. They are members of his body. He died for them. They are members of his kingdom. And remember, to be members of the kingdom of God, you must be born again. They belong to the church because the kingdom includes the church. Although the kingdom is bigger than the church, and they are to be received as members of the church and as belonging to Christ. Therefore, ask John Murray, if little children belong to the kingdom, if they belong to Christ, if they are to be received in the fellowship of believers, if they are to be reckoned as possessing the qualities and the rights that constitutes them members of the kingdom of God and of the church, is there any reason why we should not they should not receive the sign of that membership, which is baptism? If they belong to Christ... If they are members of his kingdom and members of his church, if he has died for them, why should baptism be withheld from infant and toddler children of the covenant? Listen carefully to this great quote by John Calvin. The Lord Jesus, wishing to give an example by which the world would understand that he came to enlarge rather than to limit the Father's mercy, tenderly embraces the infant offered to him, chiding his disciples for trying to deny them access to him, because they were leading away from him those to whom the kingdom of heaven belongs. But someone might say, what does baptism have in common with Christ embracing the children? For it is not related that he baptized them, but he took them, embraced them, and blessed them. Accordingly, they say, if we would follow his example, let us help infants with prayers, but not baptize them. Let us, however, weigh Christ's acts a little more carefully than such men do. For we must not lightly pass over the fact that Christ commands that the infants be presented to him, adding the reason, for as such is the kingdom of heaven. Unquote. 
If it is right for infants to be brought to Christ, why not also to be received into baptism, the symbol of our communion and fellowship with Christ? If the kingdom of heaven belongs to them, why is the sign denied, which so to speak opens to them the door to the church, that adopted into it they may be enrolled among the heirs of the kingdom of heaven? How unjust of us to drive away those whom Christ calls to himself. To deprive those whom he adorns with gifts. To shut out those whom he willingly receives. But if we wish to make an issue of the great difference between baptism and this act of Christ, how much more precious shall we then regard baptism by which we attest that infants are contained within God's covenant and then the receiving and embracing and laying on of hands and prayers by which Jesus Christ himself declares both that they are his and they are sanctified by him. Now, how did Jesus apply this parable? Look at verse 17. Truly I say to you, Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as little as a little child will by no means enter it. In this saying, we see why Luke linked all these incidents together in chapter 18. Listen, look at the whole chapter. In the first eight verses, we see a faithful God blessing and vindicating his people in answer to their prayers. Faithful covenant keepers. In verses 9 through 14, we see a humble publican with childlike faith being justified by God. In verses 15 through 17, we see Jesus blessing his covenant children and calling upon his hearers to enter into the kingdom of heaven like a little child. And in verses 18 through 27, Jesus tells us about a proud young man who will not enter the kingdom of heaven because he did not and would not enter it as a little child. Now, what does it mean to say that you and I must become like a little child in order to enter the kingdom of heaven? And boy, has that phrase ever been used and abused. Beloved, it does not mean that we must become childish and playful. Nor does it mean that we must become as innocent as a little child because the Bible says we were born in sin and in sin did our mothers conceive us. There is no such thing as an innocent child. I know for sure I didn't raise innocent children and nor did my mother or father. Nor does it mean that we must become humble as a little child. Humble? Have you ever seen a child who wants its milk? It doesn't care whether you have a headache or not, moms. It doesn't care what's going on throughout the house. I want my milk and I want it now. That's what's called self-absorption. Nor does it mean to become as trusting as a little child. I know some of your children, when they were just getting ready to, to know me a little bit, would run away from me because they didn't trust me being a stranger to them. So what does it mean to say 
that you must become as a little child in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, what is the most obvious characteristic of a little child? It is helpless. It is totally dependent upon its parents. It can't do a thing for itself. If you were to leave it alone, it would die. A little baby is completely helpless and totally dependent upon his parents. Therefore, to enter the kingdom of heaven, you and I must realize our littleness, our complete helplessness to save ourselves, and our total dependence on the sovereign mercy of our God for salvation. Well, this has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. As we have closed out our time together today, I would remind you that our desire is to know how this program encourages you in Christ. Now, there are a couple of three ways that you can contact us to provide us with this information. And again, it would really encourage us a great deal if you'd take a moment and let us know how the program is encouraging you in your walk and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's how to contact us. Phone number is 408 408- Eight six six five six zero seven. That's four zero eight eight six six five six zero seven. Our website, where you can drop us an email and even learn a bit more about us, is reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, you can write to us at PMB. That stands for Post Mailbox Number four zero two fourteen eighty four Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California. The zip code is nine five zero three two. Now, there is another way you can contact us, and this would be the best of all, especially if you're not involved in a church at this time. Plan on visiting. Let us uh, fellowship face-to-face, as it were. We meet at Lone Hill Church, 2 in the afternoon on Sundays at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org, or by calling 408-866-5607. By the way, copies of the broadcast are just $5. Mention today's date when you contact us, and we'll get a CD out to you right away. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.